Hey, what's Hi, up, Brendan. man? How you doing, Drake? Doing well. How's my audio? Am I all right? Sounds perfect. Great. Thanks for doing this. Sure. Sure. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, I've been... I'm trying to think the first time I saw your name pop up. I actually... I saw you riding with, like, Is King at one point, and then... Obviously, I think there was the Velo News article about the guy stealing everybody's KOMs. And I looked up, I think, oh, road results. And you were from maybe when you were at school and you started racing. I used to live in upstate New York. So I did a bunch of those Northeast races. So I was like, oh, man, Tokeneki, Hilltowns, like so many throwbacks. Yeah, Tour of the Hilltowns was my first, uh, first road race. Really? Yeah. Those are some fun races up there. Super uh, fun races. I'm yeah, actually... everybody in New England gets to do the same races, which is kind of nice. So, yeah, let's uh, sh- I shot over those questions. I don't always go through them kind of in like a straight order. Just really want to kind of peel back what you're doing, what's coming up for you, how you've gotten so fast. And really, I think maybe that's one of my first questions that you probably get a lot. But coming from the rowing background, it always seems like there are these athletes from other sports, whether it be Nordic or rowing or just huge aerobic engines. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I had read that you were maybe riding also at that point in time for like extra or like not cross training, but additional fitness. Is that true when you were rowing? Yeah. Cross training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's why it's a pretty common transition from rowing to cycling. I think is a lot of people do cycling as cross training for rowing. Uh, okay. There's like some injuries in rowing, overuse injuries, like ribs and back, um, that it's like, obviously cycling doesn't affect those. So mm-hmm. a lot of guys will, will be on the, on the bike if they can't row. When you're rowing, are you training with heart rate or is there a power meter now on a, whatever you want? Um, well, so bike? when you're indoors, you're on the concept two indoor rower, okay. uh, which is just like riding like a stationary bike or something. Okay. So that has uh power um and some guys will use heart rate but rowing sports science is like from like 1970s cycling okay. sports science so there's not a lot of uh of quantitative uh stuff happening there okay so yeah but when you're on the water it's just uh like usually you don't even have speed you're just sort of going <laughs> that's interesting so, so is that why so forgive me i don't know all the name is that why the person who's like chirping the commands they're Coxon. like coxon is keeping the the sort of yeah the so they'll have going. the computer so like like a garmin uh, type device okay and they'll be able to see the speed if you're in like a eight-man boat um but then, yeah, if you're rowing by yourself, you can see the speed. And when I was rowing, there were some companies coming out with like first generation power meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought one, but they're not like well developed. Mm. And is rowing my last rowing question? But it, how? What's the breakdown of legs used versus like upper body? Yeah, that's the common misconception is people think it's a lot of upper body. Uh, it's like it's like 80 legs, and then okay. Like uh, I don't know, like ten percent, fifteen percent back, and then the rest arms. So is the overuse injury for the back and the arms just because they're weaker muscles, or like it's a weird position? Well, it's not the muscles that get overuse injuries. It's like your ribs, um, like bones, and like your low back um, that get overuse injuries. Like I had once, like a a rib thing. Um, that's it's just like a stress fracture, basically, because uh, wow. you're putting the load because. Although you're pressing with your legs, all the load does go through your arms. Mm. Um, so it's mostly that your arms have to like be that link in the chain 
Okay. Um, Interesting. Hmm. Okay. So then we'll shift from that into your training. Now the question, a lot of people are curious about heart rate, power, RPE, or a mix of all. And how does, what do you use in metric wise? Uh, I would say RPE is definitely the most important uh, thing in training. Like I recently, I got on a different power meter and it was reading like, uh, mm. like 15% low, but I was mm. still able to like train. It's not like I was just riding, like, oh, I have to do those Watts. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you need to know your body and RPE. Cause especially in racing, like you're not going to look down and like lap your power meter, uh, like for a Thank you were saying that. <laughs> That's a, that's um, actually a great tip for people that don't realize that people were like, well, I was looking at my power meter and did it. I'm like, don't look at your power. Just raise the race. <laughs> don't look at your power. Yeah. But um, as far as in training, I would definitely say heart, uh, sorry, heart rate has a place, but I would say power is the most important in training just because heart rate can be influenced by so many other variables, mm. like the temperature, your caffeine intake, your sleep quality, um, anything else uh, that's like affecting your central nervous system. Um, but it's it's definitely good to have a, a picture of both of those along with your perceived exertion. That's awesome. So are you more of a volume or intensity guy or how, where? Definitely volume. Definitely yeah. volume. It <laughs> seems like I, I ha- didn't get a chance to look on Strava, but are you just doing big weeks all the time or how do you sort of craft your schedule together? Yeah, I'm I'm self-coached. So I've done like some consulting with coaches on like how to lay out my season big picture. Um, but week to week, I just coach myself. And yeah, I basically just am doing a lot of volume all the time. Okay. Uh, it's just what I enjoy doing. It might not be like completely optimal. Um, but yeah, usually I'm, I'm looking for like 20 plus hour weeks um, every week. And mm-hmm. I have like a bit of a a unique situation in people that train 20 plus hours a week and that I have a full-time job. So I like put most of that training like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Uh, Like I think this last weekend I did like, yeah, like 18 hours Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And and, like, it's just a little bit for the other part of the week uh, (laughs) to get, to get something. So are you in the office at Zwift or do you get to work from home? No, this is my office. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I work from home, fully remote. I've been to the Zwift office a couple times, but I I don't, um, yeah, I don't go. It's in Long Beach, so it'd be like a really long way for me. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. Maybe a nice driver, maybe a lot of traffic, but yeah. No, working no, from- horrible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's, do you change anything as you're getting closer to races inter- or is it just pretty standard, like ride a lot and do you just get efforts randomly or do you schedule things or how does that come into play yeah so i mean i I don't just like ride completely randomly um so like for this season i was preparing for my main um events redlands and Hilo, which were uh just finished a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. um and going into that i basically i consulted with uh empirical cycling Mm -hmm. holy more if you know Mm -hmm. who that is Mm -hmm. um and we basically laid out a plan to do like, uh, this is in at Christmas, laid out a plan to do like six weeks of VO2 work mm-hmm. and then six weeks of threshold. And then like a couple weeks, whatever time was left, um, like more specific race uh, prep. Um, so that's, that's the plan that I followed then. And then now I'm looking at uh, 
Pronouts uh, is my next big objective, the time trial there, particularly. Uh, so I'm going to be doing just, yeah, like just more more VO2, more threshold. Um, but I do like to keep it somewhat unstructured just because that's what I enjoy. Like I don't go out and smash like necessarily like five by five minutes exactly. I might do like six minutes if that's the length of the climb mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, just because, yeah, it helps me to get through the intervals if it's if there's like some kind of goal or something to get to the top of the climb. There's uh, James Piccolo was on the podcast and he was talking about how I don't know if he said there's a study, but it's I just believed him. So actually, nobody quote me on this, but that it was shown that, you know, we are going to go deeper and harder if we're actually chasing after something like something down the road rather than looking at, hey, I've got to do X watts for this on my computer, especially when fatigue hits. So I think exactly what you're saying, having that way of sort of adjusting on the fly of, ah, this is a six minute climb. I'm going to do it for six minutes. And, you know, um, yeah, it seems to make more sense and it's more fun that way. I just, five by fives are great, but it's like banging your head. Yeah. I mean, at the end days. of the day, I'm, I'm just doing this for fun. So if I'm yeah. not having fun training, like what's the point? Yeah. I think anybody's got to do it for fun. Even if it's yeah. your job, like if you're not having fun, yeah. you're not good. You're not going to be good. Yeah. But- well, I can do more training if I'm having fun as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, maybe it's a lot not as optimal, but if I can do more of it, then maybe it makes up for it. Uh, yeah. On the net. Yeah. More training is better. Where so where do the KOMs fit into this big picture, or is that more of like a maybe when you're not focused on races, or or maybe just as like you said, maybe it's you try and work those into workouts. Yeah. So I I wasn't really doing much uh with koms like leading into racing just because i was like trying to be a bit more specific like doing my 10 minute intervals and and stuff like that uh but then since i'm have like a little bit of a break before racing right now i've been doing uh i have like a pretty good pattern of like saturday just uh smashing like one full uh kom effort which is sort of just like a long vo2 effort usually Mm -hmm. um and then sunday maybe doing something um, a bit more uh, structured. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they, they can fit into training pretty well, I found. Because I can go very deep for a KOM. Totally. It's, yeah, it's super motivating. Sometimes I wonder why I'm so motivated by a leaderboard, but it works, so whatever. What's When you're focused on time trials, and let's say it's a 40K, what's the longest uh, type of interval that you'll do duration-wise? Well, it's a bit unique for the Pronats time trial because it's not at all like a flat, steady course. Okay. Um, there's a lot of like up, down corners um, and like you have to be pretty punchy. So going into that, I'm not planning on doing any any sustained efforts on the TT bike. Like probably longest will be like 10 minutes mm. um, and it's like a 40-ish minute effort. Um but on the road bike, I, I will do longer efforts, um, like especially going into like uh, Hewa. Um, that the last day there is like a sequence of like twenty plus minute climbing efforts. So, so you'll use that race specificity and do something similar duration. Yeah, um, the longest climb I can do here is like thirty something minutes. So that's kind of the max uh, dis, uh, max time duration I can do. That's pretty awesome, though. It's a solid climb. What do you have anything on the schedule for after Pronats? Uh, well, I'm uh, sort of planning on moving to Europe 
after pronouns. Sick. Um, yeah, not really for racing, unfortunately. Like, didn't get like a sweet contract or anything. Uh, <laughs> just gonna, just gonna work remote. Um, there, I did like five weeks last year. Um, I'm planning on at least doing like three months on the normal tourist visa, and then trying to figure out um, a visa to stay there uh, mm. permanently. Where but, are you going to, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, I'm starting in Girona this summer for mm. five weeks, but then I want to feel it out, see where I would want to be. Cool. Uh, Either Nice or Girona, <clears throat> kind of the two two best cycling spots. So. That's awesome. I'm actually going to be in, I'm probably saying it incorrectly, St. Paul events, right out, it's a small town right outside of Nice. And I'm uh, going to have a gravel bike there in about two, three weeks, going for the French Open and going down there. So I'm pumped to try nice. and look up some sick routes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love Nice. Uh, I think have you ridden down there? Yeah, well, yeah. So last year I spent five weeks um, in Ez, actually, which is a small village outside of Nice. Um, well, are these rides on Strava? Because I might go back and try and post Yeah, it yeah, up. they are. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, most of them are. Some of them are private. But Okay. I might <laughs> hit you up offline. Like, what? <clears throat> I needed, like, a three-hour route. What's your sickest route outside of Ez? Oh, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. That's going to be an amazing adventure. Uh, very cool. So what is your, um, yeah, what's your favorite workout to do or something, whether you pick it or someone gives it to you that you just really enjoy? Uh, my favorite workout is just going out and doing, um, every climb at sweet spot, uh, okay. basically. So like, like a five, six, maybe seven hour ride with like, maybe Oof. like three hours of <laughs> a sweet spot. Uh, I just like, it just like TSS fatigue through the roof um just like really high just going fast all day so uh, is that like, like the cycling junkie thing. that loves that like the high speed <laughs> yeah. like you come home kind of crush you're just like damn i just burned seven thousand kjs like it's one of those days yeah that's that's my favorite favorite <laughs> ride to do awesome do you uh in the gym worth it or not worth it um I think it, it could be worth it. I don't personally go in the gym just because it's not easily accessible mm. uh, with my setup. And mm. I don't think it's worth the um, the overhead of trying to get get in there. Um, I do do some strength work just at home. Mm. Like I do uh, from rowing. I don't know anyone that, in cycling that does this, but in rowing, it's pretty common, like jump squats. Um, okay. I'll do like sets of like, uh, 20 rep jump squats uh, just in my house um, and you can like absolutely destroy your legs in uh, a couple sets of those so <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah that's we did a lot of strength training in in college and high school for rowing um but i haven't found that i really missed it um since starting cycling i think it's it's good for injury prevention um mm. for sure but i do other things for injury prevention as well what are those things uh, running, I think is like, is really, really crucial for intervention. Um, How long do you run? I do like a 10 mile run, um, every week Dang. Uh, on the dirt though, uh, crucially, cause I think, uh, running on pavement, uh, is a lot harder on you. So mm. there's a uh, dirt trails, a lot of them in LA that I can run on. So. I've enjoyed running, but whenever I did, I would actually get injured. So I stopped and that's actually what shifted me more to the gym, but maybe it was also because I was on pavement and not doing it on dirt. And I was more in a Metro city. Now I'm in North Carolina. So maybe 
I don't know. It's tough. I'm like kind of addicted to the gym. So, but maybe someday I'll get back on that. It's interesting. Ten miles. I mean, you just have to put some kind <clears throat> of like load on your muscles and your bones and mm -hmm. you can get that like running or lifting. Mm. Um, it's just that like impact that we don't have in, in mm -hmm. cycling that I feel like is super important. Mm. So do you prefer one day race or a stage race? Definitely stage races. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of been the, my main focus, like, um, the last couple of years is stage racing there's not a lot of it that happens so yeah. it's kind of a tough thing uh like just especially in america there's just not not much of it but mm -hmm. um definitely what i prefer just like the back-to-back -back days and like how usually there's a time trial involved which is my favorite um favorite event mm -hmm. um so yeah like redlands Gila are like the two big us ones joe martin sort of and then uh a green mountain stage race from back mm -hmm. when i lived um in new england that was that's like the best i still think it's one of the best stage races in in the country um, it, it's great courses beautiful part of the country yeah definitely yeah that was always a highlight kind of capped off the season and there wasn't really much gravel back then so it was like the end of the season but that's definitely changed now a little bit What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? And maybe whether it's from rowing, cycling, life, just totally open-ended question. <clears throat> uh, my, uh, one of my, like the product manager at work for my team likes to, <clears throat> to often say like working at Zwift, like it's just a, a video game for people in uh, tight spandex. Like it doesn't really matter that much, which like, matters like specifically in that context but it also applies like to most things in life i think like if you zoom out most things aren't actually that consequential mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times they can feel super important in the moment mm -hmm. but i think yeah a lot of times just like zooming out and thinking like it doesn't really matter that much mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay because um, <laughs> yeah i mean i can get in my head a lot on uh, on small details so that's that, one thing I try to apply. I love that. For someone who's had a really quick rise through the ranks in cycling, what have, have you learned about cycling that's made you better at cycling? Uh, I mean, since... So I started cycling full-time in 2020. I would say the main progression that I've made is not really fitness. Like, I already had, like, a 400-watt threshold coming out of rowing. Like, <laughs> you just made up, so many people mad at you. <laughs> yeah that that hasn't really changed that much but um just like efficiency in like everything has just gotten way higher um so whether that's like aerodynamics or like drivetrain like equipment stuff um or it's like in training um sleeping just like every aspect but i i would say like the most impactful thing has been aerodynamics um for sure what and i, what I would say that's like a lot about, of things. I've done. I've done a lot of things for aerodynamics. Are you in a wind tunnel? Are you doing your own? Uh, so I've done some aero testing, um, and I own a a Nocio aerometer. Okay. Uh, so that's like a device that you clip onto the front of your bike, and then you can do like uh, field testing outside, um, and it controls for most of the variables so that you can um, try to isolate any changes to see like CDA changes. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would say like even just on, on the road bike, like small changes, like um, like position is like definitely the biggest thing. 
Um, I am somewhat known for running some silly looking handlebars, um, but they make like just an absolutely enormous difference. Um, What's the bar setup? Uh, so I have like 28 centimeter handlebars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, they're like customized uh, bars. And those, yeah, those can save a lot of watts. <laughs> That's crazy. Do you ever wish that they were wider for any reason? No. Wow. I think that there's not really any any point to having wider bars for me. Like once you get used to it, like I can descend plenty fast enough on my bars. I don't think it makes any difference having wider bars. Hmm. You brought up sleep. What have you done to optimize better sleep? I would say that's like the biggest change I've made in like mm -hmm. my general training in the last um, like four years. Because uh, like in college and high school, like I was a very high level athlete, like training probably more and like harder than I train now. Um, but I would sleep like four or five hours a night. Whoa. <laughs> and I like freshman year of college, I was, it's probably the fittest I've ever been in my life and most like focused, but I was, I had like bronchitis the entire year because mm. I just like never slept enough for my immune system to handle like training mm. and living. Um, and it, it like seriously hindered my performance in hindsight. Like if I had just slept like some eight hour nights uh, a couple times a week, Would have felt I could have been a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, I don't know, I think a lot of people get trapped in that because a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I just don't have time. Like I only sleep like five or six hours, but I've found like you just have to make time. Um, and I, I do that now. I sleep like 10 hours a night every night now. Mm. I would say that's like one of the biggest changes I've made in my training. What do you think you cut out? you know people are gonna be like wait a minute we're doing this other five hours what did you have to focus down like what was the bs time that just you're like okay that's off the shelf i'm gonna sleep instead i mean it's been different at different parts of my life but you can find the time like okay. i get my groceries delivered for example like that's something mm -hmm. small but mm -hmm. that saves some time it's an hour um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's huge yeah just like and just like cutting out anything um anything that's taking away from training like uh i i don't i don't have that much of a social life like i didn't in college either um that's just like part of it if you're gonna sleep for 10 hours you can't go out like to a bar on a friday night until 1 a.m mm -hmm. so yeah you can figure it out if you want to it's just are you willing to make that sacrifice i love that figure it out just figure it out. You mentioned being most focused freshman year. What do you think had so much drive then that made you more fo the most focused? You know, you're at you're like 18, 19 years old. Were you was there a specific goal that you had then or Yeah, so at that point I was trying to to find a path to the Olympics for rowing. Mm. Um and sort of that I sort of gave up on that <laughs> like some that summer after my freshman year. And then I would say, like, definitely tone down the training a lot after that. Mm. Uh, I just wasn't good enough technically um, in rowing. Rowing is like a very technical sport. Um, okay. And I, yeah, I just wasn't good enough. And I think I kind of lost the the passion for it as well. Just mm. wasn't wasn't that excited to do it. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. I appreciate you sharing that. What do you think? So people are like, man, this guy's got 400 watt FTP, crushes KOMs. What do you see as your best attribute in cycling? And how do you use that to your advantage without, um, I mean, people that are going against, you know, how dangerous you are. So I don't think we'll be spilling any beans, but I'm curious how you see yourself. Um, I would say like my, my most favorable attribute is my aerodynamics. Like I think I mm. have like, I mean, anytime we're in the wind, I can just save like 30 Watts over somebody and like, it doesn't matter how fit you are 30 watts at at the level that these races happen you, you can't make up that difference mm-hmm. um unfortunately it's hard to make that an advantage in in stage racing especially um because ideally you're never in the wind so mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it doesn't it doesn't matter quite as much good point um but like last day of redlands this year i i almost like pulled off something special uh, thanks in large part to my aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, if people aren't familiar with that course, it's like a bunch of laps with like a, a fairly shallow climb every lap. And I was off the front. I tacked on the descent and Robin Carpenter uh, came up and bridged to me and we were working for a couple laps. We had a huge gap on the field. We were going to bring it in to win the stage. And then I crashed myself out. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, shit happens, but um yeah, that's definitely my biggest advantage. So on the flip side, what is something that you're trying to improve on that might be not your strongest suit? Um, any kind of like short duration power. I mean, just stemming from my favored training of like just doing long, long mm-hmm. days. Like I just don't train anything under like 10 minutes usually. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely could get better. Like. For racing this year, I did do a lot more VO2 and did improve on that aspect, but I could still do a lot more. Um, and I mean, I like I absolutely suck at sprinting, but I'm I'm not training that. I don't care. I don't care at all about sprinting. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. What's what do you you do in these big weeks then? And you seem pretty dialed with the training. Do times come along when you're just not feeling so good, and you're like, man, I need. What's your sort of like remedy to just maybe you're tired or the watts aren't flowing for whatever reason. What do you do in those situations? Sleep more, (laughs) sleep more. I love it. It's easy. (laughs) Yeah. My, in my opinion, there's like almost, it's almost impossible to overtrain. It's very easy to under recover. Mm. Um, So if I feel like crap, it's probably because I haven't been recovering well. Um, So in that aspect, I usually will just like make sure I'm in bed at like eight 30 and sleeping for like 12 hours and usually <laughs> I'll feel good in a couple days. <laughs> You're making me feel less antisocial and like a hermit because I go to bed so early. People are like, dude, how did it's light out still? I'm like, I just, I need this. Like, that's yes. What's, what are your recovery thing? Anything that you focus on besides sleep that really helps you stay on top of just go to bed. He's shaking his no. head. Now. Yeah, no, I think all of those like recovery modalities that people hype up, like, like Normatec boots or like, like the massage gun thing or like zapping your legs or I, I think they're all pretty pointless snake oil personally. Um, I know lots of people are like sponsored by those companies. I don't have any sponsors. I think they're all a waste of money. Um, just go to sleep 30 minutes earlier. It'll do you like 10 times as much. <laughs> I love that. So those are hyped up and, and not worth anything. What's underrated in cycling that people might not know about? 
Um, Besides sleep. <laughs> I feel like, I, I don't know if they're underrated anymore, but Aerosocks, like, mm. like, they're so cheap and they make such an enormous difference, like, relative to anything else you can buy. Like, a good pair of Aerosocks is, like, going to save you more than buying, like, a two and a half grand wheel set. Like Seriously? It's a, yeah, it's, like, it's a huge difference because your what? legs are, like, they're big cylinders out in the air exposed in pretty clean flowing air. So you can do a lot to save there with for like a $40 pair of socks. What kind of socks do you rock? Cause I'm going to buy some cause I don't, I don't sock wear it. Leon, but... It's this Dutch company. I think they have like the, the best air socks. L Y O N. Uh, sock and then L E O N. Ah, okay. They're called the fastest socks on the planet. They have like special, they have three versions depending on what speed you're going. Um, I think a lot of world tour guys wear them like uh, incognito, mm. um, like because they don't really have any any branding, which was good for me too for racing. Mm. Um, you don't want to be sponsored by them. I mean, if they wanted to sponsor me, they could. I'm going to hit them up and be like, hey, I got this guy Drake who's on my <laughs> podcast because people is like, I love having products that I love. I'm all about helping these companies grow because some in the bike industry people are like anti-product and not saying that you are because you call some things snake oil but it's like i find something that works these little they're all small companies it's like i want to help you grow because i want your product to be around so sock leone might be sitting there like damn only if we had somebody that would rep our stuff who is super fast <laughs> if i if i get a deal i'm gonna hook you up <laughs> <laughs> go for it yeah no i've tried <laughs> lots of different brands like rule 28 velo toes um I've tried like most of the aerosocks that exist and Sick. these are by far the best. And do you get the, do you have the different speeds for different types? Of I races? just have the slowest speed. I'm not that fast. No way. Drake rocks the slowest speed. Okay. I got, I'm super pumped to check these out. No, the, the high speeds are like really, really high speed. Like, like track racing, I think is mostly what they're focused for. Okay. All right. The lowest speed is like 47 K an hour, which is. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slowest speed. I'm, where I live, it's 2,000 feet of climbing every hour. So, like, if you average 17 and a half, I'm like, damn, okay, we, like, banged out 10,000 feet in five hours. I'm These might be bad for me. I'm never going – I'm going fast downhill, but, yeah. I mean, they, they still work uphill. I mean, I wear them for a 13-mile-an-hour climbing effort. Um, okay. It still makes a huge difference when, when the margins are, like, one or two seconds. Mm, that's so interesting. I'm, I'm excited to check these out. What is so you are definitely into the tech? Tell us a couple interesting things besides your bar setup and the aerodynamics. Are there other things about your equipment that are unique or different? Um, I would say my TT bike is probably like the most dialed thing. Um, I've got like I've spent a lot of time and effort and money on it. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything like super unique on it though, it's just like aero coach extensions. I've got like a dash saddle this funky looking mm. saddle right here um that's the brand dash d-a-s-h yeah it's an american company out of colorado they make okay. like pretty light time trial saddles i hmm. uh, got like a 58 tooth one by setup but i mean everybody's doing that these days um the tt arms race is like this would have been our like amazing setup like four years ago but now like everybody's doing crazy stuff so mm. 
Is there anybody that you kind of keep your eye on in the TT, Aero, or even like training world that you're like, what is that person doing? Maybe they're training or equipment. I feel like Dan Bigham is like the guy to watch. He's like, he has all of the like, the latest changes uh, on his stuff. And like, he's working with NES and obviously he knows what he's doing. So if he, so, if you ever, if he ever was doing something different, I would definitely copy it. <laughs> interesting shout out to dan 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 was going to be on the podcast i'm going to be hitting you up back up dan he was super busy and uh what would be a question that you would ask dan if you guys were just chilling at a race and you're like yo man what's uh what's the latest tip with this anything that you see him doing that like he's on the forefront of specifically hmm. um i feel like there's a lot of unexplored arrow potential in like maybe moving away from the traditional road bike, like super low and long position. Mm. Like you see TT bikes have started like coming up in the front Mm. end Mm -hmm. recently and getting that angle. Like, I feel like there's definitely room for like adjusting to see if like, maybe that's faster on a road bike too. Mm. Um, I feel like my road bike basically looks like a TT position from like 2011. Um, Mm. So my hands are like pretty much like touching and then it's like super long and low, mm-hmm. um, but like it could probably be faster looking like a modern TT position. So, which is so interesting with the ri- I don't know what exactly you call it, like the rise bars in the front. Like it has totally changed. And I look at a guy like Sonny Cobrelli who looks like he's out for like a Sunday stroll on his bike. I mean, it's he's a world tour pro, and you know he's not overly aggressive. That's I wonder if people are doing that. I should hit up. I feel like the Project Echelon guys are in the wind tunnel in North Carolina quite often. Um, I'm going to ask somebody that if they've ever looked at road bike, um, aero, echelon. Just making a note here. What? Okay. This is really good. You're like, you're very, uh, your brain is like very interesting in relation to cycling. What? So sleep. I'm curious. I guess you maybe already answered this question, but. Somebody asked me to ask in podcasts, what's the number one thing in your daily routine that shows the biggest return to your success in sport? Maybe if it's sleep, what about in life? Is that sleep also, or maybe you've got something else? Hmm, My daily routine? I would say, I mean, yeah, we've talked enough about sleep. Um, Do you have more to say on sleep, though? Because I'd be actually Well, yeah, like routine is like like just going to bed at the same time every Mm -hmm. night. Um, I mean, that's like the most important thing for getting a lot of sleep and like good quality sleep. Um, yeah, I would say my my whole life is like a routine. Like <laughs> I have pretty much everything going exactly the same every single day, uh, which is pretty it's like you can control all the variables and like cut out anything unexpected. Um, but yeah, I would say like one of the big things I've been trying to do recently is like make sure that if I'm working on a uh trying to work out on a weekday i just get it done early in the day um Mm -hmm. like in the past i have a lot of times like i'll put it off to like 6 or 7 p.m after work and Mm -hmm. i can struggle mentally to get through a ride or a workout later in the day um so yeah just trying to like have it done by like 9 Mm a.m helps a lot i find to just like move on with the rest of my day because then i'm not having to think about oh i gotta work out later the whole day Mm -hmm. Um, and I can actually be more productive at work a lot of times like that. After you ride, you're saying? Yeah. 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 Do you track sleep at all with like a wearable? I did for a long time. I, I wore a Whoop 
um, which I think that's the only thing it's good for. I think the rest of the whoop statistics are uh, worthless, mm-hmm. but the sleep is valuable. Uh, but at this point, I, I I know how much I'm sleeping. I, mm-hmm. I go to bed at the same time <laughs> every mm-hmm. night. It's it's pretty easy to know I'm sleeping for 10 hours. So, that, I don't really so need you to really get 10 every night? Yep. Last night I went to bed at, at uh, like 9.30, woke up at 7.30. Dang. So. Wow. That's inspiring. So very next question, what's your biggest inspiration to keep pushing forward? And maybe you've already said, hey, I'm just having fun doing this. But is there something kind of driving you? to have such a focused routine and lifestyle? Uh, I mean, right now it's it's pro nationals. Um, mm. I raced there in 2021 and finished seventh, right behind uh, Magnus Sheffield. Um, and there were a lot of things I could have done better for that race. I think it suits me a lot. Like I can control all the variables. Like I think I could have a really good result there. Um, if I, if I do everything correctly. So that's, what's driving me at the moment, but yeah, I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep, uh, road racing. Cause it's just like the, the risk is so high every mm-hmm. time you go race. Um, which is something I, I definitely have been thinking about more this year. Uh, just don't want to get hurt. Don't want to break your, yeah. Face, so. Yeah. It's crashing is really hard mentally. <laughs> Like I, so I broke my hip in 2021 Mm. um, and I had to take like a full month off the bike and I was like pretty wrecked mentally for like months and months after that. So I don't know if I could handle doing that again. So what was the hardest strain mentally from the injury? Just like shifting like my whole life and not being able to ride. I mean, if like you center your whole life around like exercise and riding and then suddenly you're like completing netflix on the couch for mm-hmm. a month straight mm-hmm. it's pretty <laughs> it, it, yeah it's just jarring mentally like it gets you out of that habit i guess like i was saying mm. um, what would you change about the pronats tt when you're behind magnus to now hopefully this year you're on the podium what are the changes you're making uh well so in 2021 i did like crazy tt specificity so I did like two months where I did pretty much every single ride on my TT bike, wow. um, which definitely got me used to the position. And like I has I had like a very dialed aero position, but I just like could not train enough mentally and physically on the TT bike to like keep my fitness progressing. So I actually lost a lot of fitness before the race um, mm. just because it's impossible to do like five hour rides on the TT bike every <laughs> sounds, day. <laughs> sounds brutal. Were you going yeah. out for that long for five hours on a TT? Bike? Yeah, I would do like oh, four and a half, great. five hour rides on PCH, just going up and down like average, like 26 miles an hour. And it's just like mentally so hard to like be in traffic and going that fast. The whole oh time. my God. That is yeah. crazy. I've never ridden on actually I'm maybe once, but when you say traffic, I was down in Florida for a while and it, it's unnerving. It's just so different. I can't imagine yeah. being on time trial bike going back and forth. Wow. Okay. So changing it up this year. Yeah. That's... So this year I'm, I'm just doing training on the, on the road bike outside and then specific, uh, intervals on the TT bike during the week on the trainer. Okay. Um, just to what... keep the fitness progressing as much as possible. 
would you if you decide to stop road racing would you stop riding or do you think you would keep no cycling i would probably i would just keep cycling probably just focus only on time trialing and like hill climbing um and i i've considered like uh transitions into like triathlon um like i did i've done three 70.3s um after i broke my hip that was like something i like kind of helped me get me out of my like mental hole was um focusing on on trying to prepare for triathlon because like mm. that helped like with the the physical um therapy like swimming that i was doing and running to try to get my bone density up and help the bone heal um so I could I could see that being a pretty fun challenge as well. How are you in the water? Oh, absolutely atrocious. So yeah, that, that would be uh, yeah. I I've never really done any swimming, unfortunately. So. How far is that swimming in seventy point three? Uh, if you're good, it's like twenty five minutes. What's the distance? But, uh, I think it's like a a mile. Okay. Like. Yeah. For people who haven't done a swim, I will. T- a mile is way farther in open water than I would ever expect. I did a sprint try, and I asked somebody when I got them, like, "How? Wait, how? How far are we swimming?" Because it was a half a mile, and they're like, "I'm like, oh, just out to that buoy and back." They're like, no, that's the corner. You go up, out, and back. Man, I died. It was like I was great on the bike because it was just amateur random try in the middle of nowhere. Woo! Got smoked running and swimming. It was a funny experience for sure. So. Yeah. So for somebody who's listening, they might be a cat four, cat five, and like, man, this guy's super inspiring. He's just going after you're really uh Stephen Bass one time had used the analogy of like creating your dojo. And it sounds like you do that. You've got your setup, you know what you're doing, you've planned things out. What would you give as a piece of advice to a newer cyclist who's like, man, I want to try and get to Drake's level? Um, I would say find a good group to train with. I would say that's like one of the biggest things you can do is if you can find someone faster than yourself to train with and like someone that's committed to training, uh, that, that can like just absolutely like explode your progress, um, and show you like what you're probably doing wrong. Um, like I, I like some... the learning that you get from somebody else or like motivation or what is it about the group dynamic you think? Um, both. Yeah. I mean, people that have already been cycling for a long time and are already really good at it good at it have probably figured out the things that you're going through mm-hmm. so it's way easier to just learn from someone else's mistakes than to make your own mm-hmm. um and then also just like actually on the road like the motivation to just like oh if they're gonna ride six hours then i guess i'll ride six hours too mm-hmm. um yeah that that like social um social like impetus to just keep going Mm. Uh, definitely helps a lot and i found that in in rowing as well like if you can do a workout with someone else it's always going to be better Mm. i love that so maybe that would be i was going to ask you maybe a a few skills for success whether it be life or cycling and maybe a group mentality is one of them any others that kind of pop out that are big picture things to helping you get on top of your game Mm. yeah i would say like yeah, that, like learning from others is probably the the biggest thing you can do to accelerate your progress. Um, I'd say like like learning to listen to your body is like one thing that that I've definitely honed in over like like a lot a lot of years of endurance training at a high level. 
is like I know how to push myself in training, how to push myself in an effort and a race just because I've like listened to my body for so long. Like that's why I feel comfortable like doing my own training plans and everything is because I know like if I'm feeling a little bit crap, like I can back it off that day and feel good the next day. Um, but I, I think the, the main way to get through that is is just to put in time and like try to push your limits and see where they are. So for someone, <clears throat> excuse me, for someone who's newer, when they're like, well, what does that mean? Listen to my body. Like, I don't, I don't really know what my body's telling me. Is it through just experience that you learned the signals that your body's telling you? Or like, can you make that a little bit more for someone who might not know what that really means? Because every people always say that. Listen to just listen to your body. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know what my body's telling. Like, you know, and a lot of, I think it's like a very American thing. Like a lot of newer cyclists just ride too hard. Every ride's got to be a PR setting, trying to smash ride um they don't really know what to listen to maybe maybe that's a better question what is the thing to listen to like just when you're tired or just when you're feeling good or yeah i would say like figuring out what it feels like to feel good like if you can like correlate looking at like your heart rate and your power data and like trying to like internalize like this is what my like going back to the rpe question like Mm -hmm. figuring out what your rpe is for a certain effort and like consciously thinking like okay this feels easier than it did yesterday or this feels like significantly harder than it did yesterday there's probably a reason for that and like figuring out how to how to adapt your training and what you're doing around that is super valuable awesome uh finish this sentence i never dot 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 um i think I never won a sprint finish. I don't think I've ever <laughs> won a sprint finish. <laughs> What's your, is there a strategy if you're coming in a road race and you're in a, like a bunch of eight, are you just like, eh? Or I guess maybe you're taking a flyer with 2K to go or what? Oh yeah, your... no, I'm, I'm trying to get away solo for sure um, at that point. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, but... that's always going to be a, a more guaranteed way of winning anyway. So. Mm-hmm what's what are you doing you're you're very you're living cycling what are you doing when you're not riding or working sleeping mostly sleeping yeah i have i have a pretty constrained <laughs> constrained life uh yeah i mean i don't have that many other hobbies uh like i'll play some video games watch some tv that's about it cool um yeah, it's pretty pretty all encompassing. Any dude, this was awesome. You have a wealth of information, and it's really cool. To just like this is going to inspire so many people, motivate so many people, and really help people kind of dial in not only their training but their racing. Talk about tactics. Any final words for everybody listening? Um, I would say have fun riding. Ride lots. Just find find what you enjoy doing and then just like keep doing more and more of it and you'll just it'll just accelerate your enjoyment and your progress in the sport um if you absolutely love zwift racing every day you can find a way to make that work for (laughs) for whatever your goals are so follow your heart people i love it 
Uh, what's the best way for people to keep up with you with the racing and everything? Are you a Twitter, Instagram? Uh, mostly Strava. Just follow me on Strava. Hit them up on right. Strava. I'll post the link in the show notes. Drake, Drake, thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. We'll all be watching this year, cheering for you, especially at Pronats. And thanks again for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. It was fun being on. It's awesome having you.